Status cars that don't cost the earth. We talk London Classic Car Show with Martin Clark, and we've got a marathon quiz with our new podcast victim. Stay tuned, you won't want to miss this. So before we start, please do like and subscribe to our YouTube channel for past, present and future videos. And also please do follow our socials, Instagram and what have you. I'm sure you guys have got yours too. But let's get straight into our first topic. We're going to look at the best status cars for not a lot of money. Well, at least not a lot of money to buy. Because it hasn't escaped my attention that over the last decade you can buy some cars for 25% of their original purchase price. And some of these cars are pretty flash. Good value for money. Very good value for money. So, with that sort of 25% in mind, Stuart, what's your first thought? I came up with a list of about 12 cars, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, I then spent a lot of time whittling it down to, to three. My first car would be a Jaguar XKR, which is the supercharged version of the XK8. Is this the one with the aluminium body or before that? No, before that. Before that, before that. okay, yeah. 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 So they came out in 96. They were about £68,000 when they came out. You could pick a lovely one up today for £15,000. Nice. If you've never driven one, you really do have to get in and drive one. They are unbelievable to drive. Have you owned one? One of the few cars I haven't owned, really? actually. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, one of the few cars, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was... Uh, sales manager at a Jaguar dealership when that car came out, working with Dominic. Who, the, for once, we don't have to talk about XJSs about. So that's, that's quite a bonus. <laughs> <in my opinion. laughs> yes. And uh, the cars were, were very well received by the marketplace, sold really well, sold really well. But if you get in and drive one of these cars, the, the difference with the supercharge and the turbocharge is the supercharge is progressive power as opposed to the turbocharge okay. being in and out. And... Uh, the supercharger was one of the first cars that the, the XKR was one of the first cars that I drove with the supercharger and really exceptional. Okay. Exceptional. So you took all night 12 cars down to three. I decided mine while I sat down just before we started. Um, <laughs> and my first one I thought actually was the original Porsche Cayenne Turbo, which was the first big yeah. ugly bus that was, you know, all stupidity and, and extras. And the reason is I've actually owned two, I've blown one up as I came out of the M6 toll. Yeah, um, you, it was yeah. my own fault. You know when you buy something, it's too cheap. It's too good to be true. It was. Yeah. And there's no other way to leave a toll booth. No. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly that. I mean, you've got a 911 engine and a big old yeah. beast. You thought, oh, sod it, I'll have to do it. Flat. So I did, and it blew up, and I limped it home, and someone in Eastern Europe bought it off of me and probably repaired it and sold it for twice the amount of money. <laughs> the second time I bought one, it was beautiful. It was really lovely. Uh, 43,000 miles, had the original turbo wheels on it, grey, uh, black. It was absolutely how I remember them. And although they were sort of ugly, I kind of liked it. They're not sort of ugly, they're very yeah, ugly. Yeah, they've basically spent years refining slightly that <laughs> ugliness into something that resembles a car. Um, and I bought that, but then it was just before lockdown. So I got absolutely petrified having bought something that was a lumpy great big petrol car just before the world was about to stop. Sold it for a profit. Um, and sort of regret it because I think they've probably got some way to go in value. But just so we get a quick look of how much they were, so I put these down. So the original basic turbo was 70. That's before we put any options. We know Porsche is all about options, so you're going to quickly get to 80, 85. And the Turbo S, which is probably a little bit later, so it might creep out of the price bracket, that was up over 90 start price. 5.5 seconds 0 to 60 in a bus. And, and when you drive one, it is a bus. It doesn't mm. go around corners like modern stuff does. That's certainly wise. And oh, I think, what is it now? You can probably pick one up with most of them higher mileage. 
but again, £15,000. And what I do know, which I don't know about Jeff, is the options that most people spec with these cars, you'd have all sorts, heated seats, electric tow bars, folding blinds, everything. I still think I'd love one today, but I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if I could fuel it and repair it and keep it going. But and look at it. Yeah, well, yeah. You'd, it's one not of those cars you want to be inside, isn't it? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so, Martin, what's your first choice? Well, I've also gone Porsche. Oh, yeah. 997.2. Yes. Got to avoid those engine gremlins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 997.2 fixes everything. 3.8 litre flat six. Original price, new 70k again, but yep. you do need to spec them. They do come pretty basic. So again, you're back at 85. Yep. Except my choice is now worth 35. Oh, so yours is creeping up. So yours is the one that's starting to appreciate. It just didn't drop quite like uh, the stone that is the KN Turbo. No, <laughs> it tends to be that the small sports cars. I've always got that potential to bounce. And the people that watch this podcast and bored of me talking about it, I've diced with buying 996s, 997s for a while because of how cheap they got. I, I think 996 is a good time to buy. Yeah, those things have bottomed you, out. You they had great cars. I keep getting off of them at £15,000. And you're not shy of an ugly car. <laughs> <laughs> it's the I same light the arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> Beauty's in the high of the beholder, I'm told. So 99 said, what was that? What, that, what sort of... So it was not 70, 80,000 pounds new, 30,000 pounds, and I still think there's 10,000 pounds in that over the next five, six years. I think you're probably right. I think to get a decent one, you've got to spend 35, so yeah. I did go a little bit north of the budget. Yeah, mileage, because it's a modern car, and with a lot of these cars you look at, modern cars become very mileage dependent for value, which is a shame, because actually it should be all about who's serviced it and looks after yep. it. And if, if you're I'm not putting miles on it, you're not enjoying it. Yeah, and, and that's the point. Out of the first three, actually, probably the most sensible choice Probably the cheapest choice to run, so I've lost that round. Second one's around. What was your second choice, Stuart? Uh, fabulous car. This is a Bentley Arnage. Oh, so I do like that. Yes, they yes. are exceptional. Again, I'm a sales manager of a Rolls Royce and Bentley dealership when the car was launched. Do you want to uh, pick those names off the floor? Dom and his celebrity friends, isn't it? Go on. Yeah, Anywhere else you've worked, carry on. Um, and they were £145,000 when they came out new. That was the green label, the BMW engine, 4.4 litre. Yeah. The green label against the red label, which is the 6.75 litre Rolls-Royce engine, the green label has a bad reputation, but actually they are great, great cars. So presumably that BMW engine is probably the more reliable? It is. Yeah, so it, is, yeah. it gets the bad reputation... Because it's just a lower palliative BMW not, engine. It's, no, it's not seen as being so the purest car. It's perception the, the, over practicality. It, exactly, exactly. A green label is a great car. You buy a beautiful green label today for £15,000. Yeah. You will feel like a millionaire driving that car. There is no question of it. Yeah, so they yeah are, and actually, and it'd be a nice car to be driven around in still as well. They're exceptional. Yeah. They are exceptional. So, and... There's very, very many good specialists out there that can keep the car on the road for you at sensible costs. Sensible costs is the main part of this. I think yeah. that's where most of these cars are going to fall down. Buying yeah. them is one thing. Keeping them yeah. on the road might be another. Yeah, I've definitely got a loser there. So, yeah. And, and yeah, here so. we go. So I think I've got the absolute loser of all of these, but still the one car I've always regretted never having a cracker is the Maserati Quattroporte, the fifth generation one, the really achingly pretty car that now you can probably pick up the worst ones for five, £6,000. 15 will probably buy you a good one. The problem I think they have is there's no real parts, no real after-service care. You are theoretically driving a Ferrari that isn't quite a Ferrari. But, you know, the, the engine choices were 4.2 or 4.7 Ferrari engines. 
They sound amazing, they're beautifully designed. I can't see what's not to love, apart from the reliability, maybe. That's the problem. Yeah, you're driving a time bomb and you've got no idea when it's going to go off. But you'd look good doing it. Good luck leaving the M6 toll in there. (laughs) No, I'd probably tippy-toe everywhere I go. But the one thing about the quadruple is I feel like I'd have to dress up to get into it every day. I'd have to look like an Italian gentleman and have an espresso first. Put on my loafers (laughs) with my, you know, I couldn't wear a pair of jeans. That'd be like a Philistine. You have to put your nice sort of... Nice, soft, light-coloured trouser and a nice shirt and waft to work. No? It sounds frightening. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> so I think that might be the biggest money pit. But generally, so, status cars go. How... They are fabulous-looking cars. And if they work well, great cars. I'm not sure that, from a practical point of view, you can get many people that would keep the car on the road for you at sensible price. I think that was when I was researching into it, that was my biggest concern, was I just didn't find any real specialist aftermarket. There That's might be one problem. or two, but you've got to go There's to them and many. find them. And then they've got a part, the parts appear to be a problem. So the buying of the car was actually relatively simplistic and inexpensive for what you've generally got. But it, it, it did spook me a little bit. But still, I still think to this day, if, if I could find someone to keep on, maybe the trick here, if they're that cheap, buy two. <laughs> yeah. When something fails on one, take it off of the other. Yes? Yeah, that's, that's a good option. I've got this licked. Yeah. Yeah. Go. I'm going to replace this faulty wiring loom with another faulty wiring loom. <laughs> 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 okay, so number two from you, Martin. Number two. Well, I've got a theme generating here. Yes. I've gone Audi R8 V8. All right, tell us about that. What sort of money can we pick one out for? First generation, 4.2 litre V8, 414 brake horsepower. Yeah, proper sports car, that. Oh, yeah, 4.6 to 60 and 183 miles an hour top end. Mm-hmm. 87 new. Yep. 32 now. And that still, to me, looks like a very modern car. I think I've won. <laughs> that might be pinching it above the Porsche. Because just sheerly, I mean, we always talked about the old Audi TT, the first generation Audi TT. Yeah, and how it, was, it, was a, it was like a car from space by comparison, yeah. mm-hmm. literally, because they forgot to put that um, wind effect on it. But it still today looks brand new because it, it's something different from every other design at the time. But the R8, very similarly, doesn't look like an aged car. No. You know that, and, and it's Audi reliability. Absolutely, they are. I'm told slightly expensive to run, given that they're an Audi. But then I think if you think of it as a Porsche rather than an Audi in that sphere, it doesn't become silly. Mm. And at thirty to thirty-five thousand pounds, practical supercar. Right. Okay. Great cars. Mm. Lovely so, looking cars. Yeah, underappreciated, yeah. I think. Four yeah, or five. five quadruple also, quadruple you can go anywhere, and people aren't going to judge you. If you turn up in a Lamborghini, yeah, yeah, there is that thought yeah. in people's heads. Yes, actually, that's another topic because I often said that about the old Volkswagen Touareg. You could go somewhere and people won't throw paint over you. Especially if you've got yeah. the V10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a really smart choice. You're going a bit sensible here. I feel like you're going for the win. Oh, don't don't worry. I've, I go dumb next. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Stuart, your so, third and final choice. Okay, you go third for? and final choice. Uh, I had a lot of difficulty in breaking this down because I did have so many cars that were that were on the edge. But the one that I've gone for is the Aston Martin DB9. Oh, V12. I think they are just such beautiful-looking cars. Yep. When they came out, they were £103,000 new. Yep. Today, you'd pick a lovely one up for £25,000, £30,000. Yep. There's plenty of specialists out there that will keep the car on the road for you, sensible cost. And again, you will feel like a millionaire driving the car. Actually, one of our owners, he's had a couple now, and I've always said the yep. best thing to do with an Aston Martin DB9 is three buttons you should press before you get going in. One's to lower the windows, one's to make sure you put it in sport mode, 
can't remember the other one is on to maybe turn the traffic control off, but maybe don't do that. But they just sound fabulous. The only downside I found was because that V12 is so talky, you don't often hear it enough. Mm. Um, but it is fabulous. It's a great car. Engine alone is worth £25,000, let alone the rest of it. Okay, so my next one's got to have had the biggest fall in value and quite possibly the most bonkers of choices. But it's the Maybach. And the reason being is they have dropped like a stone in value. And I've, I mean, I did say Maybach 60, some of the big, longer wheelbase versions, though they have held their money a little bit better because, you know, basically chauffeur companies can still use them. But a Maybach for circa £30,000, brand new, you couldn't get one for under £300,000. They were upwards of £327,000. You could a lot more than that for yeah. them. You, you could, could pay easily. 420 yeah. extraordinary. So extraordinary amounts of yeah. money. Extraordinary luxury in the back. The Mercedes built, so they're quite well built. I think you'd need a very good auto electrician to keep up with it, because it's probably the amount of switches and microchips that probably catch that. Yeah, there's a lot to go wrong, and I can't yeah. imagine they're much fun to drive. I've driven one short distances, and it is more about being driven, but probably the ultimate car, status car yeah. that you can buy for you know sub thirty thousand pounds if you're lucky. I did bring one back from Colchester. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it drives like an S-Class, yeah. actually. It does drive like an S-Class. Um, it's not a car that you get in and, and you know, just ramp around everywhere. They are, they are I nice cars. From when I drove one, it didn't allow me. Yeah, it's almost deliberately it's, delayed it's, kickbacks because obviously you're yeah. supposed to be chauffeuring someone. So it's like, no, no, yeah. don't be such a philistine. Um, but then I did look at that and thought, well, you know, it's in a similar vein, you could think of a, a top spec S-Class. Um, which again, even cheaper, you probably pick them up for five and six thousand yeah. pounds. And yeah. then the real one, which I, I nearly snipped it at the end, was um, do you remember the Volkswagen Phaeton? Yeah. Famously over engineered. Yeah. Uh, no one wanted it. So famously a Volkswagen. Yeah. And we, and we <laughs> did have a, they can get the W12 engine in it as well, mm -hmm. couldn't you? Right, final one, Martin. Let's not go sensible this time. Surely there's something bonkers in here. I've, uh, I've, it, this was really hard. Narrowing it down to just three, I couldn't split my, my third and fourth choices, so I, I've i gone with the Bentley. Not the Bentley. The Ferrari 456. Ferrari 456. Yes. Uh, I'm aware that the budget was 30K. Mm -hmm. uh, 456, 5.5 litre V12, 450 brake horsepower, 5.1 seconds to 60, 186 miles an hour, £35,000. So you've sort of cheated a bit there. Tiny you? bit. Just a little bit. Tiny bit. Sort of, kind of, again, a car I think that's got mileage in it with values. £35,000 now, 167000 new. Yeah. Cool, does that much it cost? Yeah. 67 blimey. I do like those cars. Again, you've got to find a good one. Even at 35 it's mm. stretched to find a good one. Um, if you need to put one back on the road and make it lovely... At 35, might very quickly become 60. You but don't find very many leggy ones, though, do you? No. Most of them have been tucked away a little bit, really, mm -hmm. haven't they? Now we've sort of talked about how we can buy shares in BP and oil companies, trying to fuel these things and keep them on the road. Let's turn attention to you, Martin. So Martin is the creative director in all things whiz at the London Classic Car Show, which, of course, we are exhibiting or auctioning at in a couple of weeks. So, Martin, tell me a little bit about yourself. What's your background? What have you done that's very exciting, as well as the London Classic Car Show, of course? Well, my background surprisingly starts in IT a mm -hmm. thousand years ago. Yep. Uh, back when IT was mashing stones together. Um, and I got bored with IT and yep. decided I wanted to play with cars. Uh, and a friend of mine was touring the world with Top Gear for nice. Top Gear Live and said, Did I want to get involved? I said, Well, I don't have any experience. He said, Can you learn? Absolutely. He said, Come on then. <laughs> so I spent uh, the better part of 10 years running around the world with, with Top Gear Live. Yeah. 
Brilliant. With uh, with a great crew of uh, drivers, yep. uh, arenas, and uh, a great big uh, festivals in the outdoors in Australia and South Africa. Very cool. So, London Classic Car Show. Yes. Tips of our tongues, obviously, because we're going there very, very shortly. Tell me, what's what's the highlights for this year for the show? Obviously, Historic Auctioneering there is, is top of the highlights. What else could yeah, we... Of course. Of course, we've got historic auctions. Yes, uh, and we've got we've got themes across the show, as yes. as everybody does. But we've, we've tried to think a little bit outside the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this year we're celebrating generations. So this year's generations are the Corvette. Yep. Seventieth anniversary this year, C1 through C8, and now that uh, Corvette finally supply a right-hand drive factory car, we thought uh, we'd we'd take a look back at that beautiful C1. Yes. And then, and then have a study in design as it evolved, devolved in the middle, and then yes, <laughs> <laughs> and then rediscovered itself and some Ferrari blueprints. Yes. Uh, <laughs> to as the they, they all sort of do now. Is this like, who can we pinch that from? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so that's the Corvette. We've also got 60 years of the 911. Can't let that go by without no. celebrating it. It's going to be a and big again, one, eight generations, eight distinct generations. And uh, I had it confirmed this morning. We've got a 901. Super rare. Oh, very. Absolutely. Uh, and we'll put that out and uh, hope not to upset Peugeot. That's how the 911 got its yeah, name, it because is, yeah. the 901 upset, ruffled some feathers, shall yes. we say. Yeah. Uh, so we won't cause an international incident, but we do have some fabulous uh, examples of each generation. Think GTEs and RSs. Yes, yeah, I can uh, Everybody loves a 2.7 RS. We've got a couple. <laughs> I remember, so it's also, it's a fabulous venue there. Mm. I mean, we were there just before COVID hit, that last show, and I, the roof alone just brings that entire yep. event into a whole new, it just looks fantastic. Mm. And the moment you walk through, it highlights all the cars well. It really gives it grandeur. And being in the centre of London, where it is, I remember being over at the XL, which is lovely, much more practical, but it was just a bit more difficult for everyone to get to. And I do like it at Olympia. Yeah. I think it's a really good fit, really neat fit. XL had size and scale and yep. allowed us to do silly things like the Grand Avenue driving cars down yep. the middle of a classic car show, which was, uh, which was interesting well, and as challenging. A, as an exhibitor, it was interesting for about a day, and then it was blooming inconvenient that yes. every, every an hour and a half, oh, here we go again. <laughs> you're welcome. Yes, <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, and transferring to Olympia, it is, you're absolutely right, it's beautiful. Uh, it's a fantastic venue, it's easy to get to, which they need to be. Um, and it's advantage, it, it's history, it's steeped in motoring history. Yeah. 110 years ago, the first motor show was held there. I just think it, beautiful cars in beautiful venues makes mm. the sense. If you just look at things like Amelia Island and all the most, the most beautiful car shows in the world, the location is as important as the car yeah. that sits in. Um, and it works, it really does work. Are there still tickets for sale? There are. Brilliant. Absolutely, 24th to the 26th of Feb. Yep. Uh, Friday through Sunday, uh, tickets are on sale. You can find them at the theclassiccarshowuk.com. Our auction itself is on the Saturday, mm-hmm. um, but of course we're there all weekend regardless. What is that noise? Mark, is that you? Mark, if you're going to make that much noise, g- get up here. You may as well join in. Really? Come on, come on, up you come. Stu, if I hustle you on for a minute, let's get Mark sitting for a minute, have a no chat, problem. and we'll get you back for the quiz. It's nice to be invited, and uh, we can really talk well, some rubbish well, now. You weren't really invited, you just made so I much just noise I had to giving you in, really. <laughs> Mark, earphones and everything. Mark, Martin, Martin, Mark. Martin, so, Martin how do you do? Martin is the creator of London Classic Car Show, so, oh, yes, yes. so it might be worth having a quick chat with him, because obviously we're there in a couple of weeks' time. What drew us to, to booking to go to the show and, and hosting an auction? Well, I think probably the, the main thing was Olympia. It's the venue. Uh, it, I, think, I think I heard you speaking earlier, so yeah. you're going to these other ones, and you know, even going to the NEC. 
it's too far for us. Yep. We're old and miserable. We like going local. Well, you are, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take that. Yeah. You like you like it yeah. nice and local, and yeah. it's a beautiful venue, isn't it? It is. It's a fantastic, but easy to get to. Transports is very good to get in. Yeah. What sort of cars are you looking forward to? You you like the, the big stuff, or do you like? I'm, the I'm not a great lover of all the real big stuff. You, you like know, the old. You know, I'm, a, I'm an Aston Martin man yep. through and through, obviously, but I do love the '80s cars. You get down to the, to the Fords, Ford RSs, what we grew up with, what we could just about afford yep. that stuff, and. Hopefully, we've got something. We've got a cracking feature for you. That's what we need. We're to calling do. it forty somethings. Yeah. You know, when a, when a car becomes historically important, yeah. it turns forty years, a, well, years of age. Well, that's it is. It's, it's the eighties, isn't it? It's with exactly. the eighties kids, yeah. and exactly. we, we've got a little bit more wealth around us of all our ages, etc. Mm-hmm. So we're buying this. It's usually, when you get rid of the kids, yeah. you start to have a bit more. And we're loving it, and yeah. we don't even want to drive it. We're happy for it to sit there. I've got two or three of them, sort of. 40-year-old cars in my go, I'm happy just polishing it. Well, you can drive, drive it, drive horrible. <laughs> you can drive them into London, they're ULEZ yeah. charge-free. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, That'll save you £12 a day, it's worth oh, having. I'll think about that one. I'll <laughs> <laughs> give me Range Rover, a lot easier. <laughs> right, OK, well, thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm going to boot now. you back out because there's a quiz and Stuart, by rights, is back in the hot seat for this one. So Sometimes I feel like I'm just sort of run over like a yeah, train. Yeah, you are, yeah. But next time you might be invited, depends if you thanks. behave. Well, thanks very much and appreciate your time for allowing me That's to speak right, with the greats. Ah, I'm thank here you. too. Thank you very much, Mark. <laughs> Thanks, Martin. Appreciate that. Bye. Right, welcome back in then, Stuart. Thank you. Mark's left the building after that chaos as usual. The last part of our podcast today, I've got a bit of a marathon quiz. This is to test your knowledge on cars, especially for you guys. So hopefully, years and years in the motor trade means you should get the majority of these right. I won't. No? Okay. Okay. I'm going to start. My knowledge on cars is better than you. Yep. But you've written this quiz, so you may win. <laughs> True, yes, and, and, and Google's a great place. <laughs> okay, so right, first up in the quiz is, what is the best-selling car of all time? Beetle. Ooh, that's a good shout. I've thought, uh, Model T? Mm. It's actually the Toyota Corolla. Really? We've never have pinned that, but presumably, obviously, every other bike around the world we forget about. They've been buying them for generations and generations and generations over and over and over again. That's really disappointing. <laughs> it's such a blame card. I know, you really, really wish it was something a lot more exciting, don't you? Okay, right, and the next one. So what's the most popular colour for a car? Blue. Blue by Stuart. Um, if we're going back, you can have it in any other colour, so long as it's black. So, black. It's white. Oh. Again, bland. Can you imagine that? Just a world full of white to white Corollas. What do we know? All smoking <laughs> around pretending they're not police cars. Yes, exactly, yes. Right, okay, so previously, I'm sure you'll have this one. Previously, the most expensive car ever sold was a 1963 Ferrari GTO. It was sold in 2018. It has been trumped recently, but that was all for PR, to be honest with you. Really? How much... Controversial. How much was this car sold for? We do nearest the pin here. Mm, the most recent sale was uh, 116 million dollars. Mm-hmm. It's close to twice the prior record, so I'm going to go with 60 million dollars. Mm-hmm. I would have said somewhere around there, 60. I'm going to go a bit higher. You could do that cheeky thing, aren't you? Like 60,500. <laughs> <laughs> no, six, 62. 62. Stuart is closest to the pin on this one. It's 70 million dollars. So I remember okay. that quite well, but I'm pretty certain that later. And that was back when seventy million dollars was a lot of money. Yes, yeah. yes. I think if you were yeah. if you adjusted for it, actually, I think it's probably more. Yeah. Right. So, Stuart, one nil now. What year was the first electric traffic light invented? 
pre war. 38. 1938. Well, as you did it to me. 1939. <laughs> oh, you should have gone the other way. It was 1912. Oh, yes. oh my word. I just, 1912. I mean, I'll, I'll check your facts on Google. If I'm wrong, just give us a load of abuse yeah. at the bottom, frankly. How uh, did they have electric traffic lights exactly. when it was gas well, street lamps? A lot of things. I mean, electric was almost first, wasn't it? And then it was discarded with cars, for instance. It went straight full turn. So maybe that was why. But hey. 1912, the quiz is right. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> and don't argue, you're 2 0 up now. Yeah. What year, this is quite apt actually because today is Baltically cold, what year was antifreeze invented? Oh. Pre war again, water coup cars. I'll just pick numbers out. But. Mm. 1933. 33. 32. This time you win. It was actually 1926. Oh, was it? So, yeah, okay, so we are 2 yeah. 1. Yeah. Stuart's still slightly in the lead. Next one. On average, how many parts are there in a motor car? So, someone's done the math on that, but I've spent years. I think you should go first, Martin. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, as an expert in this field, mm -hmm. uh, I'm certain that there is at least a thousand parts in a car. At least a thousand? At least a thousand. Probably as many as 1,500. I could be very wrong. <laughs> go ahead, Stuart. I think you're exceedingly wrong. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> I think I'm miles out on that one. So, um, I'm going back to my mechanicing days here. Parts on the average car. Different cars that I've taken apart, stripped them down to nothing, put them back together. 15,000 parts. So Stuart wins, closest, but he's We're still... We're not counting engine as a part then. No, it's an oh. absolute mile. 30,000 parts on average. And I bet you that's increasing, you know, year yeah, on year, I mean, the yeah. amount of chips and microchips. Though, I bet you the original combustion engine was probably a fair weight of that, wasn't it? So, so yeah. three, one to Stuart yeah. this one. You're also catching yeah. up here, Martin. I'll, mm -hmm. try and, I'll try and help you out. You're first. Okay. OK. What was the name of the 1969 Dodge Charger in the Dukes of Hazard? Easy. No, I know that. OK, go on then. I'll let... You both know it, do you? Yeah. Go on, then. go on then, what is it? We're, 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 we're yeah. both men of a certain yeah, age, yeah, that's the thing. So Easiest question in the quiz. Yeah. So that's 4-2, both got a point for that one. How long does it take an airbag to inflate during a crash? In milliseconds, I'll give you that hint. I think, I think the technology's improved from when they first came out. Um, you're not going to know this, you're just going to have to guess. No. This, this, you're not going to suddenly figure it out. No. <laughs> How many milliseconds? 20 milliseconds. 20 milliseconds. Is that fast? It's pretty quick. Uh, 25 milliseconds. Martin, closest to pain. It's 40 milliseconds. Sorry. 4-3. <laughs> it's getting close again. There's a pattern emerging. Yeah, here. there is. There is yeah. <laughs> He'll what, ask me first. What year <laughs> was the first cassette tape designed specifically for car dashboards introduced? This would have been in America. Almost certainly would have been in America. They were just clever. Is this that. cassette as as I know it? First or cassette. Is it? Oh, this is the wording. Was the first cassette tape designed specifically for car dashboards? Who was the singer? And then we never have a clue. <laughs> yes, good on, good on, good on music. I think again, nearest the pin guesswork. I think. 1960. 1960. Mm, yeah, I would have said about 68. To be honest, I think you're possibly closer. You're spot on with Am 68. I? Absolutely spot on. <laughs> Uncanny. Oh, <laughs> so that's what's that? Five three. So taking a little bit of a lead there. Last no, last but one. How much money was the last? Sorry, how much money was the largest speeding fine ever produced? God, I don't want mine. 
most expensive one was. But um, oh, go on, tell us. Four hundred pounds. Ooh, hundred pounds. How many yeah. points? Ooh, nine. Ouch. <laughs> a long time ago, when you were very, very irresponsible, I assume. Uh, I've had a cling license now for about twenty years. Oh. So, which is touch yeah, wood. which I'm proud of. Touch wood. Yeah. 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 So, so we were. How much? If I give you a guess, it's an extraordinary amount of money. Is it? I'm going to say £100,000. £100,000. Um, they've linked it to income, and there's an awful lot of people go ridiculously fast with far too much money. Yeah, it's, it's going to be point. more than that. It's going to be north of half a mil. It is £1 million pound fine. I, wow. I'm going to go and have a look into where that fine was God produced. Damn. But you're right, it would have been linked to income, I'm sure, and um, quite possibly some extraordinary dangerous driving to get that amount of money. I thought my £400 fine was a bit yeah, painful, to be honest. Feel so. What I would like to know is, if did he pay a million pounds and still keep his licence? Deserves to. I mean, yeah. I'd like to know if he asked for time to pay. <laughs> yeah, I don't want a payment plan. It's still being paid also off Also, how now. sexist. It could have been issue. Of course. Of exactly. course. Um, who won that one? Um, you were closest. Me? So we are... Oh, you can tie it then, I think, with the last five question four. of the day. Unless this question's for five points. Oh. <laughs> we could do it, couldn't we? Yeah. The next question is for five points. <laughs> what percentage of global automobile sales come from China? So, cars purchased throughout the world in China. Yes. Yeah. What percentage of global automobiles? So, 100% of the world. How much of that is to China? Shall I go first so that you've got a, a good chance at that? Thank you, Martin. That five oh. points. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with 31%. 31% with Martin. Ooh. Stuart, who is our new victim on the podcast, will he ever be invited back? I'm thinking lower than that. Lower. I'm going to go for 30%. 30%, 31%. You guys have seen this somewhere. Really? It was bang on 30%. Was it? Yes. <laughs> I, I know that uh, I can understand the the amount of people in China, so that makes a lot of sense. But still, I didn't think a lot of people in China had the wherewithal to have that many cars. 30 is a lot. Had I have guessed first, I would have guessed about 15%. Well, why don't you guess first? <laughs> <laughs> but interestingly, it does show you why all of the automotive producers, uh, producers have been so desperate to get their cars into China. Because with that amount of people, and obviously, oh, astonishing. it's an astonishing amount of business. I mean, we heard about the McLaren desperately just trying to shove cars into China to keep themselves afloat by selling to that market. Yeah. So there you go. That's yeah. an extraordinary. So Stuart, you win this time. Okay. Martin, you'll have to be invited back to get your own back next time. Um, we best wrap this up. So thank you very much both. Uh, remember, if you have enjoyed this, please like, subscribe, follow all of our social channels. I'm at Matthew Pretty. We're at Historics Auctions. You are... At Stuart Bank, probably. At Stuart I do know that. Yeah. Martin, you're representing the London Classic Car Show. So you should probably tell us a bit about their handles or websites, because, yeah. of course, tickets are still available. Definitely. Come and see the website, theclassiccarshowuk.com. Uh, you'll see all of the features that we've got and, and elements of it and some great examples of cars that we'll have there. Yes. Uh, everything's on the website. A link straight through to the box office. And on that note, our next podcast will be at the London Classic Car Show with Tom and with Vicky, and we're hoping to do that live. Now, if you've ever watched these from behind the scenes like these guys do, that could go very, very wrong. So make sure you stay tuned. It will be on the Friday. We'll put the times and dates up. Make sure you watch that, and that could be a lot of fun. And that will be at the show just as it's opening, so chaos will ensue. It'll be um, warmer than here. Oh, I was <laughs> going to say, hopefully it'll be a bit warmer. Yeah, I should hope what, so. But water's turned to ice. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I'm that's sure all. That's water. 
Thank you very much, Stuart. If you've done well thank and you. we get some good views, you'll be invited back. Martin, thank you very much and lovely to see you. We'll see you thank in you. a couple of weeks' time. That's thank you from us. Please keep viewing and we'll see you at the London Classic Car Show.